So, um, a Gifts of Love charity is our nonprofit organization. And um, so it started when our children were younger and we were just basically talking and you know, he, we had been, we had both been in the corporate world, I guess you would say for a while mm -hmm. and um, just not feeling purpose in the cor corporate world. So we both felt like, um, what do we have? What skills do we have that we can give back to our community? Um, so we just kind of talked about that and we said, we, we have to be giving back. So we started with a story time program. Mm -hmm. um, so we would read books to children and it, it's great. Like that's one of my favorites. Like we would all play an instrument, read the books, and then we would give a book to each child. And so we did that at like Boys and Girls Club. We did it at um, the schools, Parish School, Thomas School. Um, we gave away like so many books. We gave away, away like over a thousand books to the kids. So we kind of started there and then um, then we started African drumming. And so um, African hand drumming, like now, it's so interesting to see. When we did African drumming, we mostly did it at Thomas School. Mm -hmm. And the kids would come during their lunchtime. And so those children now are like 20, 21, <laughs> and they still know us, you uh -huh. know. And we see them, and it's just like so great. Because like when I tell you, like doing the programming, it's for the community, but the way that you are for fulfilled from doing it. Like, I, I honestly can't describe it, but it's just the best feeling to just be able to give back. Um, and it's a nonprofit, and honestly, we don't charge for our programming. We have never charged because we always felt like, you know, like gymnastics and swimming and all those things are very expensive and everyone can't participate. Mm -hmm. So we always felt like if we offer this programming at no charge, then everybody will be able to participate. Um, so we did African drumming. Um, we worked at Irma Hayes a lot. So we did, um, uh, we did a story time program at Irma Hayes. We did African drumming, we did dance. We did so many programs at Irma Hayes just because we felt like, you know, like we could give back at that location. And, and we loved working at Irma Hayes, it was great. And so the Urban Farm came very much later. Uh -huh. Urban Farm is called Mustard Seed Sowers. It came later and honestly, Orland started like everybody else. He started in our backyard <laughs> and, you know, with the tomatoes and the greens. But like there came a point where I was like, you know, this is good. Like this kale is like super good. And like mm -hmm. then we started expanding in the backyard. And so um, Orland does um, um, beds, bed gardening. So mm -hmm. um, double digging, bed gardening, all that kind of stuff. So he had all these beds in the backyard. And then we were like, we came to this point where we were like, you know, we need to buy some land because, you know, land's something that you can't reproduce so we yeah. need some of that so we decided to buy a lot and we wanted it we specifically wanted it to be in the middle of a neighborhood because we want people to learn how to grow mm -hmm. we want them to see you can grow your own food we also want children to learn this is where your food comes from you know it doesn't come from kroger or walmart <laughs> so so we so we specifically did that and then he started and then basically it was me like you know you can sell this, you know, like you can do this. And just kind of been rolling ever since. And um, Orlin uses no machinery on his farm. So everything is done by hand, everything's done organically. Um, and it's there's a healing aspect. So the tea at the farmer's market 
it's medicine, honestly. And it's like the tea is super good, right? Yeah. But that holy basil is one of the, uh, it has the most beneficial health benefits. Like people don't understand that. Like we're honestly doing this because we know it's good for your health. Mm -hmm. But everybody's like, oh my goodness, it's so good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> but we're also healing you. So yeah. that's one of the great things about it. Just to be able to use those skills that you have to be able to give back. And then Mustard Seed Sowers actually is the fundraiser to keep a Gift of Love charity going. So, you know, we just did it all purposefully and did what we could to just keep everything going. Oh, that is so awesome. Um, a wonderful transition there because purposeful, I think, is a word that is going to very much occupy space in this conversation. Episode 63 of the WTF Carbondale podcast, where we talk to interesting people about their interesting lives and tie it all back together to this little old place we call home, Carbondale, Illinois. And with me, Chastity Mays. Chastity amazing. There we go. No. <laughs> I so so it's interesting um to me the the level at at which you're operating, right? The the level at which I had uh, Chris Walls from the Science Center on for episode 49. The level at which they're operating. Um you know, the level at at which just different nonprofit activities occur around Carbondale and how they find ways for revenue to balance need, right? And that's just a, a really, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a modern model of survival where like you just don't go out anymore and just say, oh, well, I need to fundraise, so I'm gonna go ask some, some wealthy folks for money to help fund my cause. It's like, no, I'm going to literally dig into the dirt and like from the earth create this activity um and, and just watch it blossom from there yeah so i mean when you have a nonprofit, you have to find a way for it to be able to survive and like you said like it's not if you if you have a nonprofit, you know it's not that easy to go out and fundraise and do these big events and you know so you have to find a way like you have to think to yourself like how are we going to keep this going like yeah. what's going to keep it going and grants are very hard to get, you know, like everyone's competing for those grants mm -hmm. and grants are hard to write. And it's just everything is a lot of work. So if you can find that thing that can sustain your nonprofit, you, you have to go for it. Like you have to find it. And honestly, that urban farm, that piece of land, someone can always be growing on that. So you can always grow, go to the farmer's market. Um, which was not easy to get into either. Yeah. But you, what you do is you find your niche. You find that thing that's like specific to you. Like mm -hmm. Orlin has the tea and Mike has the mushrooms that fly away. <laughs> so you get that niche mm -hmm. and then you find it and you just put yourself in there and you go for it. Yeah. And that's going to help you. And what is it that you want to do? You know, what do you want to give back to your community? Yeah. You make those programs and then you can continue to do that and offer it at no charge because you know, we just wanted to be able to allow it to everybody. Yeah. And we're we're not rich over here. <laughs> we have family support. So, you know, our kids could do that that programming, but we know there are people out there who cannot put their children in all these things. So we thought um, children need to participate in the arts. It's very important. Yeah. So if we can offer that, let's keep it going. And we found that way. Yep. Yep. I mean, it just, it's... <sighs> And when you when you're in a traditional business, right, and you're just like, ah, oh, I gotta, you know, I'm 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 here to scrape profits off the top. That's that's what I gotta do. I gotta 
I got to go out here and make money so I can have money to spend money. And in turn, like maybe I'll participate in some philanthropy along the way, right? That traditional model that's just like get as much as you can and then, you know, whatever you give out is your benevolence. Right. Cool. Right. But the, but the purpose behind, uh, you know, really, really putting a, a revenue structure uh, in uh, action in tandem with a, a delivery of services or activities through a nonprofit. Um, uh, it just, it, I'm, I'm getting off on tangents just because I'm so into the, <laughs> like, uh, uh, the, the idealism of it. But, um, so you, you, you put these mechanisms, mechanisms together, you're in turn able to take care of yourself through this and understand that like feeding your family unit, taking care of your household is in turn empowering you to pursue the mission that you set forth for the nonprofit. So it, you're just closing these things in closer and closer to one another to just meet an ultimate, what, what is, you know, I would, I would call like a life mission. Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, if you think about it, like, Every civilization started with a family, honestly. Mm -hmm. You know, it started with the family and that family grows. So really what we did was we made we made our family an organization. So that organization, you know, this business, our children can keep this business if mm -hmm. they wanted to, you know, or we can be able to pass it to someone else who can just continue to help the community. But in helping the community, you're helping yourself. Mm -hmm. And in growing that food, you're helping people because, you know, you're organic and you're sustainable. And, you know, there's going to come a time where we're going to need to grow that food. You know, mm -hmm. we're going to need to learn how to grow that food for ourselves. So, like, everything that we do is, like, specific. We think about it. And it's for just like I, I can't say it enough for a purpose. Like, yeah. everything we do is for a specific purpose and we want to help other people succeed and help our family be able to grow in that way. I love it. I love it. And it makes me feel like I'm doing things right as a parent too. When I hear somebody else talk about like the family unit and like, what well, I mean, cause this is, you know, there are, there, there is, there are generations now that have not been taught the importance of generationalism. Yes. Right. And, and what it is to instill, uh, you know, skills and, and values and abilities and like, what the progress of the human race looks like through yes. these activities, right? Like we didn't just spend tens of thousands of years as a species to like work our way through stone and fire and bronze <laughs> and uh, you know, the, the internal combustion engine and the silicon chip just to get here and just drop the ball. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like I, I just think that like, uh, to me, America itself is like a very individualistic society. Mm -hmm. So we're all like, we got to go to work and we got to take care of ourselves and we only have to take care of our families and we're just straightforward like that. But you have to, everybody has to get back to community, you know, and especially like, um, you just have to learn that what can you do for everybody? Like you said, it's a, it's a family thing. So, so we have enough land for all of our children. Yeah. So we have three pieces of land. So no matter what, no matter where they go, they decide to travel off. They know in Carbondale, Illinois, they have a plot of land that is theirs. They can build a house on it. They can build rental houses, whatever they need to do. Yeah. We definitely all need to think of that generational wealth, you know, and especially in the Afri African-American community. Yeah. Like for us, you know, we, 
we kind of, some of us had to start from scratch because we don't have that back generational wealth. Yeah. So me and Orland specifically, like when our son was born, it was, what are we gonna do here? Oh, we need to get land so he can have land. And then we had two more, so we need two more pieces of land. So they, they know they have something. And then on top of that, they have the farm. They know how to grow this food. They've been doing this since they were very little. So they all know how to double dig. They all know, all know how to plant seeds. They all know how to harvest. All of them how to go to mar- know how to go to market. So they know how to do this from beginning to end. They know how to run the nonprofit. They've seen it. And like for them, it's like a... It's not that big of a deal, but if you really think about it, we've did it that way to make it not that big of a deal. Yeah. They know how to run a business. Yep. So just doing that for your kids is so important. You know, it's so important to build them up in that way to where they're like, oh, it's not a big deal. Yep. But yeah, we made it like that because we wanted you to be able to do this. Well, and it's, I, we just, uh, I, we're, we're going through the process of refinancing our house right now to consolidate debt and like, cash flow our household so we don't just get crushed by you know debt and interest for you know the rest of our adult lives and as i'm talking to maria about this like the kids are in the car they're listening they're absorbing that and then when they're asking questions after her and i are off the phone there is then this impersonation of knowledge unto them like here's what a here's what a mortgage is here's what a refinance is here's why we have limits or accessibility based on our credit and the decisions that we've made to get to this point and why we're even trying to do this to begin with and just like tell him hey here's how the system works yes right because if you explain to somebody how the system works you know it's not that they can't challenge that system from within right and and work on the things that are broken about it but there's then like not just this outsider perspective i don't know how property works i don't know how credit works i don't know uh how you know the the structure of laws around a workplace works just so i am myself uh you know know what rights are how my interaction uh with civic bodies like the police or city hall um you know or any larger level of government like how these things work if you have a better understanding of how they come apart or how to get inside of them then you can actually work on them from there. Yes, it's so important. And you know, you just talking about talking to your kids. Yeah. Like it's so important. Like you said, it's like a it's like a natural thing. Like, oh, we need to make a list to go to the grocery store mm-hmm. and what meals are we gonna eat all week? You know, like it's a natural thing and just having those conversations teaches them so much yeah. that I think at first when you have children you don't realize they're soaking up everything so if you just make it a point to just talk to them about everything they're learning at every point that you're talking to them yep yep it's it scares me (laughs) i like how how capable they're going to be yeah like in in a few short years because we haven't pulled any punches with that conversation it's like this is just gonna be real kids like that's right guess what there's a reason why you guys can't have this or can't have that it's not because we just want to be you know grumpy this is our money parents It's because there is a financial consequence to decisions that have been made along this way that includes your existence as children yes (laughs) because y'all are expensive (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh yes oh my goodness you know people always say like 
people always ask me, when am I ready? Like, Chastity, look, you're never going to be ready. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how much you have. You're never going to be ready emotionally, mentally, physically, financially. So if you're going to have children, just go ahead and do that. How young young were you in Orlando when you first had kids? We were, I'll give you, I'll give you mine first. We were, Marie and I both individually were, were uh, 20 or 1920 when we had our kids so we're young parents right we'll oh my be, goodness yes yeah <laughs> we were we were 24 okay so right. i mean do you think that's not a big difference but that's a big difference uh, isn't it yeah it's, yeah. it's a it's an astonishing <laughs> astonishingly astonishingly big difference and i mean it, it really changes like where you put um you know effort and activity in in life it's yes. like in you know there there is now like okay cool uh, perspective of what 38 and beyond looks like as opposed to what 25 to 30 looks like yes. and, and just the, <laughs> again the difference in how these perspectives change but also uh, for us specifically planning out what their participation as adults looks like in the lives that we build up right and this goes back again to that purposeful like including your your children into the activity so that they know how to, you know, as, as the kids call it these days, adults, yes. (laughs) right. But like with efficiency, able to run a business, able to, to, to finance property, you know, able to, you know, provide back to the community that you, that you wish to stabilize. And they're just there again, I, you know, I would say probably since like the eighties and beyond, there's just been a falling off of that, you know, being passed down generation to generation. And I think now's the time for people to start picking it back up and running with it. Yeah, I think so. I think what what makes me happy is like um, listening to my kids talk like um, my 19 year old, she wants to be a lawyer, but she definitely wants to be able to offer free services. Yeah. She's like, yeah, everybody can't afford a lawyer. So there's going to be a portion of whatever I do where I'm going to offer services. Um, my youngest wants to be a dentist and she said there's going to be something in there where I'm going to offer it to people who mm-hmm. can't afford dental services and they'll be able to come a day where they can do that. And, you know, I think that just them saying that, I just feel like, well, gosh, we must have something right. (laughs) Because we we wanted them to know that no matter what they do, they need to always give back. Like, I don't care who you are, you can help someone. Mm -hmm. And it's so important for all of us to do that. Like people have helped us along the way. Mm -hmm. So it was time for us to help other people. And it's just important. And I just love that they say that. I'm just like, wow, we taught you something. <laughs> yeah, it, it really, it really shines through. You've done a, you've done a wonderful job. Congratulations. Well, thank you. On your, <laughs> on your developing young humans. <laughs> How, what brought you guys to Carbondale to begin with? Cause you're, I, I just looking at your Facebook says you're originally from Ohio. Yeah. So, um, SIU. Nice. So we both came for SIU. I, um, SIU used to have court reporting. Mm-hmm. And it was the only four-year university with court reporting. So that's why I came. Um, and Orland came for SIU also. And that's where we met. Nice. Nice. Court was, uh, were you, have you, is that kind of where, where some of the interest in, in law comes from? No. With the, <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. I didn't, look, I didn't end up doing court reporting. Um, it just kind of happened that way. Uh-huh. Um but yeah, I mean, I loved it, but I just didn't end up doing it as a career. That's 
that's perfectly reasonable. <laughs> I, and it's it's so funny that some of the conversations that have that are I, I feel like starting to get into more more of some of the the career discussions, just talking with uh, you know you know peers as as we're kind of in the midst of doing and reflecting all at the same time. Uh, talking with Jennifer uh, just a couple of just a couple of days ago for for episode sixty two, you know, and it was like you know it, it took time to find where I was at here and like where these things fit and it's like to get especially to get folks that are just starting out that are your kids age to understand that Carbondale is a really good place to just take that time to figure it out and like it will come together like you don't just have to stress yourself about being something at 25 yes and <laughs> gosh I think that's so important too like when my daughter was going to college like she's so like laser focused you know mm -hmm. I'm gonna be a lawyer and me and Orlin are like and it's okay if you don't, you know, like, it's okay if you change your major, like, it's okay to figure life out, like, that's what being young is for, you know, and I do think Carbondale is a good place for that, like, there's, I feel like there's so many opportunities, there's so many different things going on in Carbondale, that there's something to get involved in, you know, there's some type of community that you can be in, and I think it's important for us to tell our kids that like you don't have to know exactly what you're going to do at 18 yeah. which is so odd you know when they graduate they're like what are you going to do they're 18 they yeah. don't know let them <laughs> do know? whatever they want to do like oh my god now's the time that they have just enough sense to like stand on their own two feet but just enough like toughness that if the world knocks them on their gut or they're going to be able to bounce back like. yes exactly <laughs> and i like you said like bouncing back like that's why it's important for us to tell them like find yourself yeah like it's okay to fail at this thing and then pick up and start something new yeah. and fail at this and pick up and start something new so yeah like it's not okay to just stop or write it off like yes. that's that's what you that's what you can't do is just accept failure as a reason to not try again exactly yes <laughs> oh man well i'm yeah that's that's just ah uh, it's good to have that that again just that parental connection to know like there and it, there really is just a whole a whole slew of parents in this town that i think are are kind of following the same guideline on like how they want their kids to become self-sufficient and understand themselves and take the time to really figure it out like i think that's another part of and, and this is something that that i've grown up with and get to experience and see now, right? All the folks that are like, I'm leaving Carbondale and then pull right back into it. I mean, it <laughs> yes, I've seen that so much and I'm like, oh, you're leaving. Okay. We'll see you in a few years. You know, like, And then you do. And it's so funny. You're like, oh, you're back. <laughs> yeah. It's something about Carbondale that just pulls you back in. I mean, we stayed in Carbondale because Orleans from Chicago, right? Yeah. And he did not want to go back to Chicago once he got here and you know, just nature and then it's a safe place to raise a family. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's just something about Carbondale that pulls you in and you just end up staying and just rolling with the flow. And there's like so many different communities here, I think. And we, so we homeschooled the kids at first. Mm -hmm. And so I know a lot of people, like you said, like just bringing it back to making the kids self-sufficient and also not being like overbearing with the children, like you have to do this or you have to do that. I know a lot of people who let their children figure it out on their own, mm -hmm. you know, like just letting them try out different things and figure it out on their own. And just being a part of that homeschool community as they were growing up was just 
it was for me it was very new and interesting but i loved it i really did well and there there are so many different structures of school available in and around here everything from the homeschool to from homeschooling to the new school yes. to you know the 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 different uh the different religious uh schools to uh, you know, pretty darn good public schools. Like, yes. There's just a, a, such a blend, and then you don't feel, no matter where the no matter how the kids may be going to school, that they are still going to have access to their friends, yes. however they see fit, because there is so much, you know, blended programming yeah. that you know no matter no matter what institution they are part of they're going to find themselves crossing over with one another at boys and girls club or at junior sports or yes. at this or at that and yeah so true like our kids participated in um so my son didn't go to school until 12th grade so he literally homeschooled his whole school career basically but he did band the the entire time he did band at Carbondale middle school um, Mr. Frick allowed him to come in there and then he did band in the high school and he loved it. And we were just grateful that they allowed him to do that. Yeah. But I know several homeschool families who did that where their children participated in sports, but they still homeschooled. And like, that's a great thing to be able to do, you yeah. know? I mean, value of education within the community, that there's this experiential thing. And it's so that I, I went to, um, uh, former Mayor Neil Dillard's um, celebration of life yesterday at uh, City Hall and Jeff Doherty was like talking about uh, some very specific policy things that you know he achieved during his time as mayor and that Jeff got to be alongside of uh, with him and one of the things was uh, him working in the early 2000s uh, to get support for uh, a, a particular tax levy to support building the new high school mm -hmm. and it's like when when you know the the local city government is you know reach out a hand to you know to offer help with you know the the local high school and then the local grade school is or or the high school whichever whichever it was i can't remember now but is engaging directly with the university so there's like yes. you know a, a a crossover between institutions there to find pa continued pathways in education for for kids like coming out of here like that's that's community built around education it is it really is and having SIU is like it's really a positive thing to have SIU and like my kids are always like oh we're not gonna go to SIU but the reason is because they were always at SIU yeah so it's kind of like they're like oh this is nothing you know and for them mm -hmm. like college is nothing because SIU is right there so <laughs> it's you know it's it's interesting but it's also really great to be able to have SIU right there and you know participate in like orchestra and you know just different arts programming it's really good. Yeah. yeah. This is this is like all a just a we're cutting a really good commercial for <laughs> Carbondale and SIU. We are. <laughs> like I didn't mean for this to all just be like a really good sales pitch to like <laughs> parents looking to bring their kids and like come and, and be part of a uh, a good young uh, parent and and person community, but uh, here we are. Well, here we are doing it anyway. So I'm gonna I'm gonna dig in and just keep going with it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so or Orlin, um, the the time that I've spent. Uh, around him he's always talked about education and and looking to like actually develop uh school programming and and do things is that something that uh you came to him with he came to you with or you both kind of met each other with as as just a personality attribute and then have, have grown together in? 
Um, do you mean homeschooling or well, just, I mean, schooling in general, just the philosophy around it. Cause I, I, I said, I've, I've listened to Orland talk about, um, you know, wanting to start up, uh, more schooling programs and after school programs and just more educational activities, yeah. uh, for kids and, and watching what that, what that looks like and what that means and, yeah. and knowing that he's got a passion for it and listening to you talk about it here. I was just curious as to who, if you guys both kind of met on that same plane or if, or if one brought that forward to the other and then you guys just kind of moved together on it well um so with the homeschooling part that was really all orlin mm -hmm. and um i kind of just rolled with it you know and we both we both have master's degrees so like we've had enough school to be able to teach our kids you know <laughs> yeah, so so we definitely we both tag teamed on teaching our children um he's better at the math portion and i'm all reading and writing and all that nice. so um you know we tag teamed on that and then um Later on during our homeschool process, we actually had friends who were homeschooling. Mm -hmm. So we all kind of became a big group. Nice. And so, you know, um, we did that at Irma Hayes for a little while. Like we would have classes and things at Irma Hayes. Um, and then, you know, bringing the kids to the garden to learn was yep. something. And um, right now what Orland is working on is it's an intergenerational learning model. Mm -hmm. So um, like you just said, like, there's so many different models of learning and education in Carbondale. What we want to be able to offer is that intergenerational learning because, you know, with our parents getting older and our parents are really a part of our children's lives, mm -hmm. but sometimes um, the older generation is kind of left behind mm -hmm. and they're not involved as much as they could be. So getting the older generation intermingled and involved in teaching the younger generation mm -hmm. we think would just be a wonderful model to add yep. to Carbondale you know so um, that's what we're working on right now and then to be able to offer you know children that that programming because you know maybe traditional education is not for everybody mm -hmm. so I think that that programming should be offered because if we see a kid struggling in school, they definitely might do better in an outdoor model where they're in the garden. Mm -hmm. And in the garden, you're learning math, you're learning how to read, you're learning how to write, you're learning how to do all of these things. And I'll tell you that I definitely couldn't see my son solo. I could not imagine him going all the way K through 12 because he was very energetic growing up and like he I I know that boy could not have sat behind a desk <laughs> all day long. I just know it. Yeah. Like I can imagine the problems we would have had. So I think that there needs to be that option out there because we might see those kids struggling mm -hmm. in normal school we call it, right? Yep. But they might thrive somewhere else. So I think that that needs to be offered and we're definitely working on that model so we can offer it to parents and you know we could do a summer program and we could try it out and see and if they're thriving in that summer program we could definitely carry it on and i would say that you know if someone was maybe nervous about it just know that i know a whole homeschool community their children went to college mm -hmm. all of my kids were homeschooled they're all going to college so it's nothing to be nervous about it's just something new i think for people yeah. but i think that we definitely need to take a step back and look at that for some of these kids that are struggling in the school system and we can help them out in that way well and i think there are there are so many folks now and i would say i'm probably one of them right that kind of stereotypes the idea of homeschool is this is this very uh you know one particular type of ideological 
bent towards you know education that is more based in the idea of morality with a little bit of technical input as opposed to really what what I've heard from you now and and Jennifer uh, on the previous podcast that and I I'm also really excited because I didn't expect this to like land in a in a space where we just happen to have two really good kind of episodes on parenting back to back but thank you for 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 bringing that in and kind of making this own little micro series. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, um, you know, that, that break away from that mindset that no, we're, we're, we really are like experience and like, um, you know, uh, you know, traditional, uh, knowledge, um, growth, like for, for young folks, like that, that's what this is. It's not about the, you know, a homeschool that's based in morality, but a homeschooling that's based in, uh, just really letting a child, experience and learn the way that's best for them to make them the wholest person that you possibly can. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I like my kids, oh, my kids talk about it all the time about how they want to homeschool their own children and about how they were literally outdoors all the time. And I don't think people realize how much you learn from just allowing your children to be outdoors. Mm -hmm. You know, like just allowing them to be outdoors just teaches them so much about themselves, about the world, you know. And then, like we were talking about before, like no matter what situation me and Orlin were in, our children would be with us. Mm -hmm. Like I, I remember when my kids started growing up and I went somewhere by myself and people were like, where's your kids? <laughs> like, you know, like, because I was always with them. Mm -hmm. So just they're learning life. And, you know, that's the way people used to learn. Yeah. Like, you know, think about Native American cultures. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how they learned is the children were right there beside them. Mm -hmm. So they learned how to make clothes. They learned how to make the food. They learned how to build houses because they were always watching mm -hmm. it. And that's just exactly the model we use with homeschooling. They were just always with us and always learning. And so that's why they know everything that they know. And that's, I mean, we did the traditional, like, sit down and read and do math but it was never for long periods of time it was yep. like oh let's sit down and do this for about 20 minutes yep. and then we're back at the park you know or <laughs> we're back outside so so that's the way we handled it and um school is a big transition for all of them but honestly my um my aunt who's 19 she told me the other day she said i didn't really learn much from school she was not challenged until she got to college yeah. and it was just because you know we just we did so much and we learned so much and also we put a big focus on history mm -hmm. because we wanted them to learn true history yeah. and we wanted them to learn where they came from mm -hmm. like because they came from Africa and we wanted to, them to learn that they came from kings and queens so for us that was very important um, so that's where we started so starting there for them was really important and like they always tell us like they can't imagine learning anything different. Yeah. But then when they went to school, it was like some of those children they went to school with, they didn't know that, you know? So like <laughs> she's sitting in school learning about slavery, but she's just like, oh, okay. That came like way later, <laughs> you know? But yeah. then there are kids in the classroom who don't know that. So like that was really important for us in homeschooling is that we give them their true history of who they are. And it is essential. I think it is uh, now, right, where, where as opposed to continuing to be hidden uh, in the structures that are, that true history, which I think is the right way to phrase this, right, just what happened. Yes. The truth. Yes. Um, that your, your kids being equipped with this 
going out into the real world and their first step into it is an understanding of the uh, trauma of the exploitation that has led to you know the the establishment of the society that we now live in that's getting better every day yeah right but to but to understand that you know this is what this is the this is the whole of the structure that you're up against. Yes. Now, like you like you're not just up against, you know, a, you're not just like having a bad run in with somebody. You're not you're not being uh, told that, uh, you know, you can't get access to this or that you don't qualify for that or being looked at differently walking down the street uh, by somebody because that's just somebody's individual preferences. Like this is this is baked into it. Yes. And like you got you to gotta clean it off with your actions and with your engagements and with the activity that you produce on a day-to-day basis, improving that community and that society around you. Yes. Um, and so. that, you know, I think that's, you touched on something like really good. Like it's so important. It's so important for minorities to know that because when you're going through this system and you're getting rejection after rejection and you're wondering what's wrong with me, yeah. there's nothing wrong with you. There's yeah. something wrong with the system, you know? <laughs> So, and if you don't know, if you haven't been taught that, and some people just really don't know that, but to know that it just does so much for your mental health, yeah. you know, like, oh yeah, here I go again. You know, like, you're just like, oh, yep, here we go. Because it's not me, it's you guys, yeah. you know? So yeah, it's, it's really important. Learning and history and just teaching is so important. I think, I think when people do send their children to regular school mm-hmm. that, we forget that we still need to teach our kids. Yeah. So listening to you say you're you're still teaching your kids, like everyone needs to know that. Like there are still things we have to teach our children. We have to sit down and teach them yep. because they're just not learning everything they need to learn. Well, and you're, you're contextualizing the world around them. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times that I hear like, you know, them talk about a, a particular line of information that's been provided to them in school. And I'll be like, and here's an expanded version on that. And like dig in a little bit more and contextualize it for them. And like, you know, uh, 15 seconds in their eyes, roll back into their head. (laughs) Not this again. It's like, listen, man, you either want to, you either want to be asleep at the wheel or you want to wake up and watch the road, man. Like I need you driving this car, children. You need to be on it right now. Exactly. And and they're, you know, it, it takes time. You know, obviously when, when you're a kid, you're just like, ah, okay, whatever, mom, dad, like, I just want to go play or I want to go read or whatever. But, yes. you know, you see it start to kind of sink in over time. Yes. Right. And eventually that, that seed sprouts and the, the flower, <laughs> the flower blooms. And now, now you can see like exactly. the person that, uh, that you've, that you've worked to craft on the other side of this. Yeah. Uh, I'm <laughs> real sentimental in all this stuff right now too, because we, we, Today was the last day of fifth grade, so we're going to junior high now. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the um, uh, Maria posted a picture of the twins, and and it was just like they are. Oh my God! Look at these. What look like just small adults? <laughs> yes. Like, what is going on right now? Yes. It's Ugh. it's crazy. Like I I can't believe my youngest is going to be a senior next year. Yeah. You know, I'm just like she only has one year left. What's happening? But I remember I homeschooled. Yeah. And everybody always says, you're going to have empty nest. No, I'm not. Because I put in my work. (laughs) I really put in my work and I'm going to have peace of mind, you know, like not that I'm still not involved in their lives because I definitely am that mom. Like I'm always going to be there. But, you know, 
that day in and day out raising those kids is no joke. So you, you are, and you are not incomplete in the work that you've done. You don't, you're not going to look at an 18, 20, 23 year old kid of yours and go, Oh no, what did I not put in that I still need to put in right now? It's like, <laughs> yes, listen, I've got I've given you 18 years of everything that I got. <laughs> That's <laughs> I'm, me. I'm out. I'm out. And for those that couldn't see it, I just kicked out in front of my, <laughs> in front of my chair, just real far, uh, in a motion of, uh, kicking the children out of the house when it is time. Cause that's, that's it. You don't, you at that point in time, it's like, what, what else are you going to do? Yeah. You're, you're right. not, they've got to go get their own sunshine. They've got to go get their own water. Like that's it's, right. it's on them now. You've equipped them accordingly. Everything you possibly could. Like yes. I just, it's, and having spent, you know, what, what time I've, I have, uh, around Orland, we haven't spent a whole lot of time together ourselves, but just being at the CEJ, I've spent a decent amount of time with, with Orland and through, through other activities. And it's like, you know, I can, I can see where there's no letting up with the kids with Orland. There's never a point in time no. where a discussion <laughs> starts and the kids are just going to get by with it. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. No, we have in our household, we have long conversations for sure. Like definitely we, I mean, and we talk about everything so we can all sit down and it can be a three-hour conversation and everybody gets heard and everybody's opinion is valued and definitely and i mean when i tell you this has been the whole time they were growing up like orlin has talked to the kids like that since they were two like i love it i, I would I be love like that style of parenting so much when i tell you i would be like no he just needs to do this and he'd be like no he needs to know why he yeah. needs to do this you know and i'm like he's two and he's like nope. no we're gonna have a conversation and i'm like all right we're having a conversation with a two-year-old <laughs> um, hey man <laughs> it's, it's there's there's a certain level of of ego a dash of narcissism that has to go into wanting to talk to a two-year-old as if they are a 35-year-old grown person. Yeah, you know. Right? Like, <laughs> there's there's a certain level of, of sound bouncing off a wall and back to you yes. when you do that. But there there is such, you know, it's like, it's like breathing to the trees. It's like exhaling CO2 so that the tree <laughs> can absorb it and give you oxygen back. It's like yes. this this just symbiotic relationship that you hope they, they grow with. And ah. Yeah. Again, I know I've only said it like three or four times thus far, but it's a our conversation is a confidence builder for me right now at a transition point for us in our lives as we go through these things. Yeah. Um, and this was just the right conversation to have right now. Yeah, it's a, it's so important. Like, honestly, like my kids will tell you, like they they appreciated it now, <laughs> like before, you know, when they later on years. No, they didn't appreciate it. But now they appreciate it because they know how to have a conversation and they know how to listen to people like definitely my daughter's always like mom people are always so comfortable to talk to me and i'm like because that's you're a good listener mm -hmm. you know like she will listen to you and then she'll she'll talk you know so it's just spending that time to put in that work is so important and it's you know it is work having to teach them how to talk and you know how well you don't know yet but teenage, <laughs> I don't, but teenagers become very emotional <laughs> and you have to forgive them for that but you know, the emotions come into play and you have to learn like, oh, but this is just who they are right now. They'll, they'll come out of that, but just allowing them to, and then listening to them. Like, I think that pa as parents, 
we don't listen to our kids as much as we should mm -hmm. and we always listen to their opinion like you know like why do you feel like this and what do you think and then we're going to tell you what what we think and then mm -hmm. we're going to come to an agreement here <laughs> you know like this is what's going to happen but yeah it's it's been important and it paid off too so yeah yeah no that is that's for sure are, are have you have you had any of the older kids still living at home now or have they all kind of just gone out relatively young and 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 got their own place and and you know own own work and other things like that to... so solo the oldest the 21 year old mm -hmm. so he went to school for two years so he went to college for two years and he decided college was not for him yes. so he's now back in carbondale and he has his own apartment he likes his own space because you know he went yeah. to college and then when he came back we were like but wait a minute, you're back home. You have to follow some rules. Uh -huh. And he was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. I'm out. I'm good. <laughs> so, so, yeah, he has his own place. And then um, Ma, she just graduated in 2020. So she is, um, she'll be a sophomore in August at Spelman. Mm -hmm. So she's in Atlanta. Right now she's home for the summer. And then Ada, she, she plans on going to college. So she doesn't quite know, you know, where yet or anything like that. But, but yeah. Are the, uh, are the are the younger kids hanging out with Solo at all at the apartment? Do they get to go, like, hang out and, like, be away at their big <laughs> brothers at all? Or They do. You know, my kids, they're, they're two years apart, mm -hmm. all of them, and they have a really good relationship. And for me, I love to see it because I'm actually an only child, and I, yeah, and I didn't. Are you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I kind of exude only child syndrome. <laughs> you've, you, you've got a little bit less self-centered, like, <laughs> aura about you. But. Oh, yeah. That, that just comes with age, I think. But, yeah, I am an only child, and I did not want my children to be only children. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, they have a really close relationship. Like, the girls are, I mean, best friends. Like, they really are. And people always ask me all the time, like, how did you do that? And I'm just like, I really don't know. We didn't yeah. do anything purposely. But I also think, like, them having to be together all the time, maybe, with the homeschooling. Like, I don't know how we did it. But they are. They are very best friends. And, yeah, they all have a really close relationship. And it's it's nice to see. Like yeah. you said earlier, like, I know that they will take care of each other. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, I, and I, same as you, have no idea what that's like. Yes. Like I am void of that compartment in my brain <laughs> that like puts off onto to me some sort of reliance connection relationship with a sibling. Like I, I look, especially at the twins, yeah. right? Watching, watching the twins have like, oh my God, they were, what were they doing? We went out and got some food and went and ate at a park on Saturday just mm -hmm. to get out and, and be out moving around. And I don't remember what they were talking about. It may be birthday gifts or something like that. But it was, they were essentially planning. And they start walking back to the car <laughs> before us. As we're like, well, we're going to be here. You go ahead and walk back to the car, whatever. And she slinks her arm over him and like leans in close and starts walking down <laughs> to the car. And is like, let me holler at you for a minute, Zach. <laughs> like, let me, I got a plan here. And they just start. Do, 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 do back and forth. I can listen to them chatter in the morning when they get up and just this, 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 like they have somebody to work through life with. Yes. And that is something that I never understood mm -hmm. as an only child. And I, and I specifically was an only child, like with no real like neighbor kids. And I, I went to giant city school as a, as a kid. So I didn't really, wasn't a lot of kids there. Like I've had 25 kids in the same class, kindergarten to eighth grade. Yeah. There just wasn't a lot of, socialization 
for me to have and mm. and to like see them like show what it means to be siblings i'm just like yeah i want that i miss that what the heck man why can't i have any of that i'm the same way i'm like you guys just don't know i'm an only child and they're just look at me like no we don't know so leave us alone you know but but yeah it's like it's so odd but i but like you said i love to see it it's like so great i'm like yeah you can do this together and then not only that but like you know like you're like I have to take care of my parents, you know, like, and I'm the only one and yeah, whew, that's a lot to deal with. <laughs> uh, I can't begin to, to imagine that side. I am, I, and I've talked about it before on the podcast. I am, I am, I, I do not have a relationship with, with my, um, biological, uh, family. Uh, I've got a real good relationship with my in-laws, but no relationship with, with my parents and, and so on. Uh, and so like, I, that's, that's one of the things that I'm just kind of like here, like, you know, you know, I, if, if we could have come to some resolution as a, as a family, uh, you know, maybe there'd still be something there for us to try and take care of one another at some point in time through the course of our lives. But yeah. that's just not there yeah. now. Right. Which yeah. is, you know, interesting in of itself. Like I, you know, I don't, I don't have, you know, I've got, I've got a son who's not going to be in a position to really take care of them at some point in time down the road either. So it's like, what, what are, what are the other options there for them? Um, you know, I, I would, I would guess on your end too, I mean, with your parents, especially having three kids now is, is grandkids. Hopefully that'll help a little bit more with the lift and you've kind of prepared them a bit more for, you know, now they're, they'll be a little, they'll be a little bit more adult, a little bit quicker in life and a little bit more able to lift on that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And they, they have a really good relationship with my parents. Yeah. So that does have a lift. Uh, for sure that's that's great where did your are your parents uh around here now are they still in ohio or they're still in ohio yeah i'm from a small town it's called piqua Mm -hmm. um if you're familiar with ohio it's like you're not okay (laughs) so yeah it's it's very small it's it's really honestly just like carbondale but um yeah they're both still there my mom is originally from there my dad is originally from georgia Mm -hmm. and um his family ended up moving up to piqua ohio but yeah is it is it near dayton Yes, thirty minutes north of Dayton. Okay, so I'm I'm wondering if I feel like that is Dave Chappelle's. Yes. Yes. Oh, it is. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yes. That's okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I know where Dave Chappelle is from. I've never been there before, but I know exactly where that is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I just I, I I felt like that was that was a a town name that I had heard before mm-hmm. um, yep. <laughs> in, in relation to, to media that he's produced at some point in time in the past couple of years, possibly something during the pandemic. He was doing something where he was like in the middle of a cornfield, mm-hmm. uh, yep. you know, had all this stuff and whatever. <laughs> and I, I swear like it stuck out. So no, I, I yes. really like, I was afraid to ask at first. I was like, Oh, I'm just going to sound silly. <laughs> no, that's exactly, man, that's exactly where it is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all small town. Like where Dave Chappelle is from, you see that cornfield. That's uh-huh. exactly like where I'm from. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is it a different kind of cornfield than what you experience in Southern Illinois? No, this is the same. Like <laughs> yes. More, more beans, more corn. All this. <laughs> yes. Ah, that's great. That's great. No, well, I'm, I, you know, I'm shucks. Where are we at? 50 minutes. Okay. I, you know, I, I had no kind of ex- expectation for what our conversation would be about. I'm thrilled that it's been like all about children uh, <laughs> and, and just parenting and, and talking about what that experience is like in, in Carbondale. And I think it's a good compliment 
um, again to you know to part of the conversation that uh, that we had with Jennifer. Uh, I, I want to keep saying yesterday in reference to a podcast episode, but I, what I really need to say is the previous episode. Yes. Um, but it's it's good. It's good. This is I mean it's just healthy and and again for folks to feel like oh what everybody else is experiencing is what I'm experiencing too. Yes. And like <laughs> having to be a, a parent in this day and age is, is very much about just being willing to get in there and be straight with your kids. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it definitely is having those conversations. I think listening and allowing them to be their own person because from the moment they're born, they're that person. And like I tell my kids this all the time, like they're literally the personality they were when they were born. Yeah. Like every single one of them. And just to learn that is just it's like kind of mind blowing for me. But yeah, they're their own person already. And you're kind of really just there to guide them. How do they latch on to mom's activism? Um, <laughs> so all of them are different. So um, Solo is he's fine with it. Like Solo is like very he's a very quiet person. He's just like Orlin. Uh -huh. Very quiet, very reserved, laid back. But, um, you know, if he needs to get in there, like I can call Solo and he'll come to a march with me, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know. I'm like, Solo, I'm scared. And he's like, I'm there, Mom, I'm there, you know. Um, Ma'a is very much all about it. She's the middle child. She she loves it. And she is um, she's very intelligent. So she knows, like, a lot about everything that's going on. And, you know, she keeps you know, keeps up on everything. And now the youngest, I would say. <laughs> so she's still in high school, right? Yeah. So for her, it's a little bit like, I love that you're doing this, mom, and I see that you're passionate about it, but you know I'm still in school, right? So I would appreciate it if maybe, <laughs> you know, like, maybe we didn't have to do this, but I'm like, no, we have to do this. She's like, okay, you know, big breaths. All right, mom. But yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> so does she, does she feel like you're, you're impeding into kind of her world where, where right now a lot of the, the swell of activism in, in this country is very young. Yeah. No, and no. To have your mom there kind of cramps the style or no, no, not cramps her style. I think that she feel like because she's still in school, that um, she might get repercussions. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. so like, you know, like, well, they might not like me because of that, or, you know, they know you're my mom, mom, you know, like, so they know who I am. That that has not happened to her, um, but I think she feels like it could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, that is an interesting position to be aware of uh, in life as well, right? I, you know, this is, this is something I never thought about with, with my kids, but I mean, I, I work to have a, a public life. Now, granted, I'm a little bit different because my, my kids don't have my same last name, so they're a little bit safer in that instance, but yeah. that's not to keep them completely, uh, you know, anonymous from, from my life. But that's, that is in and of itself kind of a lesson for the kids, right? Yeah. Of like, hey, guess what? People are going to make a judgment. People are going to challenge you on these things, and you need to yes. decide for yourself. Is there a compromise that you're going to make on the person that you are? Yeah. Or are you going to be uncompromising in your association with people that will accept you for you? And if they don't, that's their loss. Yeah, definitely. It's like what it does is it makes them take a position, their self, you yeah. know, and they don't always have to agree with me. And yeah. that's fine. But it makes them take that position because people are going to question them about it. Mm -hmm. You know, like people question them all the time about 
like me and Orlin. And they're like, seriously, that's my mom, but this is how I feel. Mm -hmm. And like, once again, having those conversations, like what stance do you have? Because when you go out here and people question you, you have to, you have to be able to stand on what you stand on and yeah. what are your principles. So well, yeah, and, and sure. that is it. Like it's, it's not to tell them that your answer is right or wrong. It is just that you have to have conviction. Yes, you do. You have to stand on your own principles. Like what is it that you stand on and what is it that you're going to say? And what do you feel about it and stand on it? And also be educated about it. Mm -hmm. it, it can't be just like, this is why I feel that way. But why do you feel like that? Yeah. Are you educated? Do you know? Have you researched it? Mm -hmm. And that's the things that, that we teach them. Like, don't be out here like, yeah, but so this is how I feel. No, educate <laughs> yourself. <laughs> why do you feel that way? And yeah. let's talk about it. So, yeah. And it doesn't just have to be some sort of statistical, you know, it, it doesn't just have to be numbers that validate a, yes. a position, right? There right. are, there are so many other components to it yes. that, that you can make up your decision on an issue of where you need to be because you've seen it for your own eyes. Yes. What, uh, you know, a failure of the world around you looks like and why you would want to challenge that. Or right. If, if looking at something like, um, you know, uh, how, how somebody may, uh, pursue, uh, profit and property and, and uh, uh, you know, in life in that particular way that why that is okay. Yeah. Right. And what you're going to do about it that makes it okay. And, and like, you're gonna argue with people in the yes. world around you, especially as uh, you know, positions on, on politics uh, and policy change significantly because of uh, you know, the failures of, of the system that we've been in for the last several hundred years. It's like, yes, you are still going to want to participate in certain ways that are of value and of personal sustenance to you. Yes. And that's okay. And you have to know why that's okay. Yeah. And what you're also going to do to validate why it's okay to pursue it in a particular way. I've done way too much talking this gosh darn episode. <laughs> you just got me all, all riled up and really excited to talk about all these, all these things. But I mean, that's, that's it, right? Like, and, and just to show them why they are, they are allowed to either, you know, donate themselves wholly to a cause or, you know, go out and make money or find a happy medium in between. Yes. And they're going to get to do and be the person they want to be. Exactly. And, you know, for me, like, like I said, like my kids were always with me, but there came a time where I was able to do this yeah. because I dedicated myself to my children. And then when they were old enough, I was able to go out and find my own voice. And also I feel like I'm letting them know that it's okay to do that like find your passion. What are you passionate about? And if you feel like you need to speak up, well, gosh, you need to speak up. And, you know, I, I really pass that one to honestly any children. Like if you feel like something is right and if you want to stand up for it, you should definitely stand up for it. There are times where I tell myself, like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to sit back on this one and be quiet. And nobody else says anything. And I'm just like, well, I can't. I can't just sit here and allow this happen. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can't let this child go through this and me not just stand up and say something mm -hmm. for them, you know, because I don't see anybody else doing it. So I'm just going to say it, you know, and I'm just going to bring it to the forefront. And let's talk about it, honestly. How can we make change? Like, that's really what we want to do. Like, that's what I want to do. This is happening. So how are we going to change it? How are we going to come together as a community and talk it out? and work it out and change it so everybody feels comfortable in our community. Yeah. And there are the pushback to that so easily being uh, 
uh, you know, a, an answer that's been accepted for far so long, which is don't challenge my power, says yes. the person in position of authority. Yes. Right. And, and <laughs> man, just to, just to have the kids watching the, the challenge to authority occur and yeah. understand that that's how you're really going to get through life. That there are going to be people that tell you no, not because it is the morally or objectively sound thing to do, but because it's not in their interest. That yes. Because your interest or the interest of a group of people are not in their individual interest. And yeah. like, <laughs> you're going to have to challenge that. <laughs> <laughs> you have to challenge it. And you know, I was just talking to somebody the other day about like how maybe a situation might happen in school and parents are afraid to speak up there are several reasons why that's true. Like they might've had a bad experience in school. They might be intimidated yeah. by that power, right? But they're just human beings just like you are. Yeah. And you have a right to speak. You have a voice. Your voice is very important and it should be heard. And that's the way it is. <laughs> like, you know, I don't even see, I don't see things that way. Like I don't even see like, oh, that's a person of power. No, I see you as a person <laughs> and I'm a person and I'm going to listen to you and you're going to listen to me. <laughs> like That's just how I am. I'm just like, there's no power. Like you have no power over me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a religious person and the only person who has power over me is God. So you're just a person just like I am. And I think that like our society has made things that way. Like, oh, this is Senator so-and-so okay and he's a person yeah you know like he's a human being I hate so so you uh, know so are just the worst yeah so it's just like <laughs> i think that people just need to come to that realization like and you voted this person in also like you we voted you in yeah. so are you not going to listen to our voice are you not going to listen to your community like it's it's so important to do <laughs> yeah man that's great and this this was important to do, um, you know, for y'all as the audience, sure. But I've, I, another, another one of those conversations this past week or two that I've just really needed. So, um, for episode sixty-three of the WTF Carbondale podcast uh, with Chastity Mays, have a good one, folks. Whatever that one may be. <laughs>